beautiful people. You know what time it is. Ladies and gents, guys and dolls, and everyone in between. Gather round. Get you something real nice to sip on and comfy to slip on. Cause it's time for Smut Club. Here's your hosts, Chelsea and Hannah. Good evening or morning or whenever you happen to be listening to this and welcome to Smut Club. I'm Hannah. And I'm Chelsea. And let's do this. So today we decided to do... <laughs> we're just jumping. We're like, we are, no frills. Like, we're like, we are doing this like fucking shit today. we're doing this because honestly, Chelsea told me to read this book. Okay. And it happens to be a seven book series. And Thank God. I'm so excited for this whole journey. <laughs> like, genuinely, it is one of the seven, worst. not including prequels not, and other not books. Including prequels and other books within the same universe. Sure. Whatever. Is it really whatever? It's all in Maine. It's terrible. It is <laughs> one of the worst, one of the worst things I have ever experienced. And I loved it. Every minute of it. Yeah. Like it was a train wreck that you couldn't look away. And you're like, this is truly atrocious. And I am turning the pages of this book. (laughs) Like, like someone is paying me to do it. I need to know what happens. Even though the whole time you're reading it, like I highlighted some quotes that I'll have to find. Yes, do it. They were really atrocious. Terrible. All right. So So the book is called No Ordinary Billionaire by J.S. Scott. And just so y'all are aware, J.S., her first name is, is Jan. And if you are in a safe place and not driving or something, please look up a photo of Jan immediately. Okay, but do you think that that's an actual photo of J.S. Scott? Or do you think like someone's like, yeah, like I go by J.S. Scott. My name's Jan. But it's really like a 40-year-old dude writing bad erotica? Or do you actually think it's an older woman writing bad erotica? It's still bad erotica either way. Bad smut. So I almost just said something really terrible along the lines of like, given the photo, it could go either way. Yeah, you're not... (laughs) Like, honestly, I think when I first read, like, oh, J.S. Scott, she goes by Jan. And then when I looked at the photo, I was like, is she real? Like, I didn't yeah. doubt it until yeah. I looked at the photo. And then it almost felt like a little, like, murder she wrote. Yes. Like, she is attempting a smolder in the photo. She is attempting a full smolder to the point where I didn't even realize it because I got to the end of, I think, the second book and was so just flabbergasted by what I saw in the about the author that I took a screenshot and texted it to Chelsea and said, this is our dear friend, Jan. And like, yeah. So anyway, no ordinary billionaire. Um, <laughs> so no ordinary billionaire. Terrible. What's it about? That's what we're here for. Uh-huh. And there, spoilers. There, yeah, there we forgot to say be that at the beginning of the last one. There are spoilers. Just will- expect them always. I don't know what you're doing listening to us. If you aren't expecting spoilers, you should probably adjust your expectations um, or just read the book before you listen to the podcast. Yes. So No Ordinary Billionaire is about a billionaire who he grew up 
with money. He grew sure. up in a billionaire family with mm-hmm. an alcoholic, abusive father. Mm-hmm. And so he's like, I don't need my money. I'm just going to move to LA and yes. be a detective. A homicide detective. A homicide detective. And he has four siblings, three brothers and a sister. Yes. And so as a homicide detective, the book opens where Dante, the homicide detective, the billionaire homicide detective, has been (laughs) shot. A lot. Like several times. Several times. And his partner is dead. No. Yep. Patrick? Patrick, yes. Man, I got that right. Patrick was shot in the head. And Dante was shot several times trying to protect him. And then he was eventually able to kill the perpetrator who was, in fact, a serial killer. Yes. Yeah. So Dante feels a lot of guilt. Yes. Over the the survivor's guilt. They're very specific about the kind of guilt he was feeling, and it was survivor's guilt. Are you sure? They didn't mention it enough times in the book. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe I should go back and reread it and make sure it was survivor's guilt. Let me double check. So Dante... His siblings, there's a city in Maine, and they own a peninsula. And <laughs> because of, they're billionaires. Because they're they billionaires, and that's what they do. Peninsula. They own a, a whole peninsula. <laughs> so his, one of his brothers that you'll meet in this book, but has another book dedicated to his love journey, um, he decides that he's not going to, like, tell all of his siblings that he's building these houses because he wants them all to live there, but he, like, builds a house for each of his five siblings or four siblings. Okay. On this peninsula. Yep. So that they're all like millionaire sibling neighbors mm-hmm. on a mm-hmm. peninsula that they, that they all own. So they have a sort of compound. And all the houses have guest houses, which isn't relevant currently, but will be eventually. Yes. So maybe not even in this episode. You'll have to keep <laughs> that in, in mind in for future episodes. Stay tuned, y'all. Because right? it just continues to be terrible. So Dante, injured in the line of duty, has to move to Maine to his mansion in, on this family peninsula to recuperate and recover. Mm-hmm. And there's, and he's like 30 or 31 years old. And there's a hot young doctor in town named Sarah. So this is just honestly my favorite. So she, so this, this woman is 27 years old. All right. And she is like Mensa level genius. Like she's fucking brilliant. And like she, prodigy finished college at like 12. Right. And then like went to med school. And then she was an internist at, at a major Chicago hospital for a little while. And for some reason, which is alluded to, to being somewhat traumatic in the beginning of the book, she decides to move to this small town in Maine because she doesn't want to be in Chicago anymore, right? Yes. And Mm -hmm. she also like, and this is no knock on the homeschooled community. Sure. She does have a homeschool energy about her. Like, mm-hmm. like the whole thing is like she's very sheltered. She doesn't have a lot of experience. She's like very naive because mm-hmm. she spent her ent- her entire life learning. Her father is deceased and her mother is an academic who's just like, you need to find someone to marry who's your same IQ level so you can procreate and contribute to the scientific community with your genius children. Yes. Yes. So she is making a house call for Dante. So he he's coming to whatever the fuck, Amesport? Amesport, yeah. Aim, I was Amesport? Like, Amesport? Amesport. It's a place in Maine. So, she, <laughs> so he has gone there to recuperate with his, uh, one of his brothers who lives permanently on the peninsula. And his other brothers are coming to like take care of him, whatever. 
Like, he's realizing he's had a distant relationship with his siblings, and, like, they've never been that close. And he's right. like, oh, but they all, like, showed up when I needed them, when I, all, when I like, got shot. Yeah. I guess that's, like, a nice thing to do. And I'm like, yeah, no mm-hmm. shit. When you get shot, the people who love you and care about you show up and help mm-hmm. make sure you're okay. Mm-hmm. I didn't think that was revolutionary. Apparently it was. Well, and so— Dante so, should talk to someone about that. I, yeah. Not mm-hmm. me. Or you. <laughs> no, I'm also not taking new clients— for the record. So Sarah, the hot Mensa level genius doctor, shows up to Dante's mansion making a house call and she knocks and nobody answers. And then she is like, oh my God, what if he's like hurt in there? Like what if he's passed out or something? And so she tries the door and it's unlocked and she starts yelling for him and nobody answers. And then she finds him in the basement like working out. That's where his home gym is. Right. In the home gym, obviously. So he has several cracked ribs and a couple of bullet wounds. He was wearing a vest, hence the cracked ribs. So she finds him like lifting weights and she's like, what the fuck are you doing? Like, what are you thinking? She doesn't say fuck because she's very professional, but she's like, what are you doing? You need to stop that. And he's like, I don't need a babysitter. And she's like, I'm here to take care of you. And he's like, the only way you can take care of me is to turn around and bend over. And she just ignores that. Like, that's not even, I'm not even exaggerating or making a joke. Like, that's literally the words that come out of this man's mouth or that were written by Jan. Fucking Jan. (laughs) God damn it, Jan. Honestly, I like, I text Hannah while reading this one and I was like, I was trying to highlight a few just like hilarious passages to me, but then I was like, oh no, I need more context because this is all so funny. And then I was like, oh, if I keep highlighting, it's just going to be the entire chapter. <laughs> and I was like, I'm just going to highlight the whole book because it's all so comical to me. <laughs> also, I would like to know, this book is like pretty well reviewed. Yeah. Like 3.9 stars with like tens yeah. of thousands of reviews. Yeah. Hold on. Let me pull it up. Yes. All right. it's a lot. So while Hannah's looking up, what the actual rating is. So this this exchange goes down and then Sarah is like, I'm just here to take care of you. Just take your pills and is like trying to like debate him. And Dante, this is now in the kitchen. They're no longer in the gym. And she like pours a glass of water and has his pills are there. And then she's like, take them. And he gets pissed and he swipes like the glass off the table and it shatters on the ground. And Sarah is barefoot in his house? Yeah, so it had been raining. So she took her shoes off when she went into the house to not, whatever. Jan clearly <laughs> set it up so that Sarah would cut her feet. Yes. <laughs> so, yes. And However PS, she got there, Sarah's barefoot. Dante swipes a glass off the table in anger. Yes. The glass shatters and Sarah just like walks on it accidentally. <laughs> I'm like, I'm still a little confused. But then like her feet are very bloody. And so then she's like, I'm fine. And all it's, I don't have to, we don't have to work together and is like, whatever, I don't. She's like, you will not take me to the hospital. I'm your physician. And then she limps home on bloody feet. Um, and Dante feels real bad. P.S. 3.91 stars, 19,200, nice round number, ratings on the Goodreads. So like, Really well-reviewed, all things considered. Yeah. Um, so, yes, Sarah has janky-ass feet now because 
they are cut up. Uh-huh. And she's like, I'm a physician. I can handle this myself. And it's all superficial. So it's fine. And I'm just going to bandage them and it's fine. And Dante feels real bad. So he calls his brother who lives on the peninsula, Grady. Grady's married to Emily. They have another book. It's the prequel. I haven't read it yet. Um, he calls Dante and is like, or Dante calls Grady and is like, hey, what's... I need to like make this up to Sarah. And so he shows up at her house with lobster rolls and then discovers lobster rolls are fantastic and eats several of the lobster rolls he brought her. So he showed up with six of them and she was like, please have some. And he was like, no, they're for you. And she's like, you are a dumbass. I can't eat six lobster rolls. Like I am not a sumo wrestler. Like she doesn't say that, but that's what I imagine. Her attitude said she could eat several. She's like, they're so good. I could eat all of them. I don't, she might've said it, that. Cause honestly, it, I could have misinterpreted. There's a high chance I did. I had a decent amount of wine before I drank this book. <laughs> Not drank. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yes. And a we've lot. also had a decent amount of wine now. Thank you. Boda box. <laughs> We drink a decent amount of Boda Box. Uh, wh- and we're not technically sponsored by Boda Box, but it'd be a lot cooler for, if we were. Yeah. So I was drinking Boda Box then. I'm drinking Boda Box now. <laughs> um, I don't fully remember where we were at other than Dante. He brought eats the lobster yes. rolls. Oh, no. Because I was legitimately thinking because I, however, I, I think I may have misread it because I remember thinking she was like, I could eat all of these because they're so good. And then I was like. Where's she gonna put all that food? And like, can I was like, how big is a lobster roll? And then I spent a lot of time thinking about the size of lobster rolls, not focusing on the book, but there wasn't a lot to focus on at this point. So I didn't feel like I was losing sleep. You know, to be totally fair, there's not a lot of folk lot to focus on throughout. Well, so like just kind of speeding. Or maybe through there's it. too much to focus right? on. Right. Well, all right. So then Dante. Makes out with her. It's like, I'm really into her yeah. and like makes out with her. And she's like, I'm your physician. We can't what do this. What about my ethics? Mm. Yeah. And so then she decides she's like going to refer him out to another doctor in town. And then he's just kind of like automatically assumes like, cool, we're together. She's mine. Right. And, and mine is a big word. Mine He is, says mine a lot. And like it's like always italicized. Like what is that Finding Nemo? Like the, the seagulls on Finding Nemo. Like he's just like, mine, mine. It does. Yeah, that's a great. Yes, it does feel that way. Because I'm like, cool, we get it. You're possessive. Right. And it's super cute. And we love that. But also, like, we, like, don't. We don't. (laughs) We don't. Well, and just, like, there are scenes where he's, like, and she was wearing a pair of shorts that went almost to her knees that would have looked so bad on someone else. But on her, they were so sexy. And I'm like, I have never in my life seen a pair of Bermuda shorts. And gotten hot. And I think like that's, I was like, no, there's, this isn't attractive. Listen, as a bisexual woman, no, no, we don't do that. As a bisexual woman, you also aren't into Bermuda shorts. I don't know. I can't speak for lesbians. I mean, I could call my sister and check, but I feel pretty confident that just generally Bermuda shorts are a no, you know? Like, I feel like Bermuda shorts were what I wore on my middle school youth yes, group yes. mission trip. Yes, because they had to go past the tips of my middle fingers. Yes. Yes. Thank you. Oh, the, we we can talk about purity <laughs> culture and a whole— I'm sure there's a book about it that we can read at some point. Religious trauma is for later. <laughs> and there's definitely plenty. <laughs> so, Dante and Sarah, he decides— 
he's into her. She's like, we can't because I'm your doctor and I have ethics. And then she decides she's going to refer him out, but like doesn't really tell him she's going to refer him out. Um, but then he requests a different doctor anyway before she can refer him out. Yeah. Yeah. That's fair. Yeah. So also we forgot to mention that she is like a music prodigy. Oh, yes. And so the youth center, the which youth is really center. just a community center because mm-hmm. there's also elderly people bingo that happens. <laughs> but I'm like, that's not youth. It's el- the elderly. It is for the old ones. And so they, the youth center is this like really bougie community place because Grady, Dante's billionaire brother, had donated a lot of money in the prequel and like revived it. And yeah. so they're like, it's not like a normal youth center. There's like a ballroom. And I'm like, cool. I, I still know have a questions. major grand piano, like a beautiful, expensive grand piano. Yeah. They're like, here's a bunch of really nice instruments for people who might want to learn them at some point. Right. So Sarah teaches piano to children, but she also plays for the olds before the bingo. Yes. Pre-bingo, they Pre-bingo. like they show up like a half hour early and she does like a little piano concert for them. And that's when the Bermuda shorts happen. So Dante shows up to like watch her play and he's like, I will fuck her on that piano bench. <laughs> as long as she's wearing those Bermuda shorts. I've never will, been harder in my life. I will work around the shorts. <laughs> I don't I don't think he was trying to work around the shorts. I was trying I think he was really trying to fit them into it. <laughs> he's like, how they're, do I make these work for me? They're all part of this. So I don't fully remember everything that happens. Hannah's better at the details. I'm better at the general (laughs) storylines. So like Dante and Sarah are hanging out and you're like, cool, what's really happening? You guys aren't really a thing yet. You've like made out once. Like we're we're still in that territory. And then they, he's like, he takes Sarah home and they get to Sarah's house and Sarah's house has been destroyed. Just absolutely trashed. What yeah. did the wall say? Like, die bitch? Die bitch, yeah. Yeah, and like all yeah. of her clothing has been cut up. Everything she owns has been completely destroyed. All her furniture, like everything's ruined. And luckily, we forgot to mention Coco the dog. Luckily, she had Coco with her when this transpired. So Coco was safe. Don't panic. I know you didn't know about Coco till just now, but don't worry. No Coco's animals fine. were harmed in <laughs> no. the making of J.S. Scott's No Ordinary Billionaire. Which I appreciate because I would have stopped reading. You know, that's valid. If something happened to the dog, I'd be like, this like, is some fucked up shit. Knife handle in the ass. All right. But damage to an animal, animal cruelty, I'm, I'm not here I'm out. for. I'm out. Like, if you want to stick a knife up your ass, you live your life, but you do not harm an animal in the making. Oh my gosh. I also... Hope someone listens to this episode at some point, not knowing that we reviewed Dinner Vipers. <laughs> so they have no context when we're talking about a knife up the ass. If you haven't listened to that, just just pause now and go back, go back. and listen to episode one where we talk about Dinner Vipers and all of this will make more sense. Thank you. Sorry if the ass knives have traumatized you <laughs> with no so so sarah's house is destroyed and dante's like you're staying with me so he then is oh like, but also you find out like you get a little bit of detail oh, right, of why right, her right, house right. is destroyed because that is pertinent yeah yeah so the cops show up and the local cops are like sarah this might be connected to what happened to you in Chicago and Dante's like the fuck what happened to you what happened Chicago? Chicago I'm a homicide detective from LA she's like mind your own business and he's like you're staying with me so he takes her home to his home on the peninsula that he owns <laughs> <laughs> on the sibling peninsula on the sibling peninsula and so then it, so 
he then like calls in some favors, I guess. He does something shady to get all the details of what happened to her in Chicago. And then she winds up coming to him on her own and telling him that she had a patient that was hit by a drunk driver. He and his mom, the mom died. The son lived, but was very injured. And she really liked the son and was helping him. But then the son coded suddenly and kind of unexpectedly while she was in the room with him and his dad was there and they were not able to revive him. So the son died. And then apparently the dad was real upset, understandable, but he decided to kill her, not understandable. And (laughs) (laughs) thank you for that caveat. You're like, totally understand why he was upset. Did he try to kill her? Don't understand. (laughs) Like maybe there's a line. So he tries to stab her to death in the stairwell at the hospital. Because she likes to walk everywhere. She does. She enjoys the walking. She does, which Dante does not like. Because yeah, because she's like, I'm just going to walk around town. I'm going to walk home from the youth center. And he's like, you can't walk home from the youth center. It's not safe. Get in my car. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, like, just like a little unnecessarily, like, territorial and aggressive throughout the whole thing that you're like, we get it. You feel inadequate and like to whip your dick around. It's fine. <laughs> At least that was my interpretation. Yeah. Well, and it's all packaged as very protective, but it's like, this is. Like is really, it, or is it just, it just feels, controlling and weird? Yeah, it feels like you don't have great boundaries or a great understanding of what a healthy relationship looks like. And so instead, you think this is normal. Right. And instead of being normal, you're just like super possessive and dominant and just like perpetually shouting like, mine. Right, right. And so so she she tells him all of this, right? And he's like, I'm gonna kill the bastard because the guy got away. And she lived because she was in the hospital. Uh, luckily, yes, she was, she was like, stabbed. if I hadn't have been in the hospital when he but cut like, this, I would have died. She was stabbed 20 times, 20 you times. guys. 20 well, times. Well, you find out later it was with a pocket knife. Right. But regardless, like I, I have worked with a lot of people, right? And one of the people I've worked with was shot five times. And like he, by the cops, and he very nearly died, like real close. And, like, I also know somebody that was stabbed, like, six or seven times. And she, like, came real close to dying. And so it's, like, 20 times, dude. Like, were you not trying? Honestly, that was my exact. Because, like, later they're like, it was a small knife. It would have been worse. It would have been more lethal. But I'm like, 20? You're just not good at killing someone. Well, and also it's, like, he wasn't stabbing her in, like, the thighs and the arms or the back or something. He was stabbing her in the torso. Like... There's some vital stuff in there. You know? Well, and you you see the scars very right. soon, actually. That's a whole right. thing that we'll get to momentarily. But I, I did have that thought where I'm like, so 20 stab wounds mm-hmm. is a lot. Like, the That's chances of being like, I was stabbed 20 times and miraculously all vital organs were missed mm-hmm. um, just doesn't feel realistic or true to myself. (laughs) Because that's what we're worried about with this whole situation is that it's realistic. No ordinary billionaire. The the LA homicide (laughs) detective billionaire being realistic. And we'll get to why that's even less realistic that this son of a bitch stabbed her 20 times and didn't hit anything vital. So anyway, so she comes downstairs and she's like, I can't sleep. And he's like, 
well, you should be resting or you've had a tough day. And she's like, he's like, I want to fuck you, but I'm not going to do it now because you're all upset. And she's like, and like, I just, when you say that, that is almost verbatim. Like he's like very aggressively sexual. And she's yeah. like, yeah. I'm a little tired. And he's like, I want to stuff my cock in your wet pussy. And you're like, <laughs> hey, I didn't. I, or like, she's like, mm. I'm a little peckish. Like I could go for a snack. And he's like, I could I will snack devour. on your pussy. Yeah. <laughs> and you're like, I don't. I just really wanted some cheese. He's like, I will devour your hot cunt. And it's yeah. like, okay. Yeah, you're like, I really. <laughs> It didn't need to go that hard. Right. But he he's like, I guess this is J.S. Scott's version of him being like chivalrous or something where she's like, I'm he he says, like, I'm not gonna fuck you because you've had a hard day and you're emotional. So and she's like, You won't like what you see when I'm naked anyway. And so she takes off the shirt that she's wearing and shows his shirt. Him his shirt, right? Because all of her clothing has been destroyed. Obs. So she takes off his shirt that she was sleeping in and like shows him all her stab wounds. And he is like cover yourself because he can't handle it because he's about to like jump her bones. But she thinks that he's like, ew, gross, cover it up. So she runs out and then he's like, oh, fuck. That's not what I meant. So then he goes upstairs and they fuck. (laughs) Oh, no. We're going to break that down a little bit more. So, yes. Everything that you just said very much happened. Technically true. Where like, also, I kind of wish that like they had written the scene where she took the shirt off from her perspective. Right. And then when she Instead ran out, then it switched to his perspective. Because right. reading it, even from his perspective, I was like, oh, I already know where this is going. He thinks he's being chivalrous, but he doesn't say anything outside of like, cover yourself. Because in mm-hmm. his head, he's like, I don't want to take advantage of her. She's vulnerable right now. So he's like, cover yourself. You need to go rest and sleep. And she's like, oh, like you, I knew, like I told you, like you wouldn't like what you saw anyway. Mm-hmm. And like runs out and it's like distraught that like this dude that she's super into doesn't find her sexually attractive when really he does. And right. so it's like, I I do wish that that part, like reading it from his perspective, I was like, I see exactly how this is going to right. play out. But I right. almost wish like I could have experienced the initial half from her mm-hmm. perspective because like I feel like that was more pertinent. Yeah. But yeah, so then she like runs out and she's like, I know you like wouldn't like what I what you saw anyway. And like you like wouldn't think my body was beautiful because I have 20 stab wounds in my gut. <laughs> and so then oh, God. he's like, fuck being chivalrous. I want her to know I'm going to conquer her pussy is eventually <laughs> like it's kind of the general tone. So he goes into her bedroom. Mind you, he's still recovering from some stab wounds. Throws and, her- like a concussion or something. Like he's injured, like broken ribs. Yes. Yeah. Shot. So he throws her over his shoulder, which he has no business carrying a grown ass woman because Uh -uh. as we said, he's injured and takes her to his room and then handcuffs her. Oh yeah. I forgot about the handcuffs. Yes. Like their first sexual encounter. Also, also worth noting, Sarah's only sexual experience was with a fellow medical student. They had sex one time. It was not life changing as no one is surprised by. Um, it was not good. It was not life-changing. He dumped her the next day. And she's like, I don't get all the hype about sex, so whatever. I'm just a it's smart prodigy. It's only about procreating the species. Procreating because I'm a genius and I need to, like, pass that along to other people. Right. So, the world needs my genetics. Yeah. So, like, this is really, for all intents and purposes, her sexual awakening. Yeah. I might be yeah. getting into this a little too much. But I'm like, I <laughs> no, you're right. It is because she has had one sexual experience ever. Mm-hmm. 
is then like, I'm going to take this shirt off, show this man my naked body, feel rejected by him. Right. And he throws her over his shoulder and then handcuffs her. Right. And then is like, you're arrested. And she's like, what am I arrested for? And he's like <laughs> fleeing the scene of the crime. And she's like, what's the crime? I don't, I honestly don't fully remember this. And he was something about like giving him a heart on or something. I don't know. <laughs> it was like fleeing the scene of the crime and causing arousal. Something that you're like, what the fuck is happening? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So yeah. then he changes the handcuffs where he then handcuffs her to the bed frame. Yeah. And I would just yeah. like to note, this is her second sexual experience ever. Ever in life. And yeah. this feels a little much. Like, yeah. read the room, Dante. Right. <laughs> this feels uh-huh. aggressive. Uh-huh. And so then he goes down on her, changes her world, rocks her world, whatever happens. Right. Well, well and then she like, she's like, the handcuffs are hurting me because she knew that he would take her out of them if he thought they were hurting her so that she could touch him. Yeah, she was like, I really want to touch him, but I know I'm handcuffed, so I'm just going to lie and tell him that they're hurting me so then he'll feel bad that he hurt me and then I can take the handcuffs off and touch him. And you're like, what? Could you have just told him I wanted to touch him? Yeah. So then they fuck. (laughs) (laughs) Plot twist. (laughs) Then they fuck. (laughs) Yes. And so then, like, she's now told him the whole story about what happened in Chicago. She also has panic attacks anytime she gets anywhere near a hospital. But that's her only— I, I, This did stand out to me. That's the only side effect from right. almost being murdered. That's her only trauma response. Her only trauma. Yeah. From She's like, I get panic attacks when I think about going inside a hospital. I'm like, that's all? That's the only— 20 stab wounds. 20 stab wounds. And you're like, I just can't go in hospitals anymore. I'm like, I think maybe we need to process this a little bit more. Right. So then he, like Dante decides he's going to be her protector. Like he appoints himself the protector. So he doesn't want her to go outside. He because follows he's like, the madman who destroyed your house is probably still on the loose. So right, like, you right. can't go anywhere without me. Don't worry about the madman. That is holding you hostage, essentially. Who his, don't worry about the, is the yeah. handcuffing you to the bed. Don't worry about the madman who handcuffed you to a bed. <laughs> worry about the madman who gave you panic attacks for hospitals. Who and stabbed did you, stab 20 you twenty times? times. <laughs> to be fair, so Dante is like, you can't go anywhere without me. You have to stay in the house. He doesn't want her teaching her piano lessons or playing for the old people at the bingo and whatever. So eventually, oh, oh, oh. And also, so he starts learning more and more about her, like that she never learned how to ride a bike. So then- Yeah, so you start to learn all of these things where like because of the academic educational upbringing that she had that was mm-hmm. so like focused on her being a genius, she never really had a true childhood. Right. So Dante then takes it upon himself to give her this childhood. So he like teaches her to ride a bike. He buys her a doll. It, it, he does all these different Did the doll part things. make you feel weird as well or was it that just did. me? I'm like, you're buying a it grown ass woman a doll and she's a little too into did. this doll. She was very into the doll. It was a Victorian like replica situation. Good news, guys. If you're into dolls, the second book in this <laughs> series is about the girl who, who ran the doll shop. Yeah, who hand makes the dolls. So 
all that's going on. And she's like, you can't keep me inside forever. You're going to have to go back to LA eventually. Like you can't keep doing this, blah, 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 blah. So she eventually talks him into letting her teaching the, teach the lessons again. Right? Yes. Like he's, he's starting to be like, okay, like you can like go on your house calls for work and like, I'll go with you. And so he's like starting to be like, okay, like we can go back into the world a little bit, but like Mm -hmm. the working theory has been that the dude who wants to kill her is still in town. Right. Right. But she's also like, I got to like do something and Mm -hmm. move on with my life. So she also, we left out. So all her clothes were destroyed and Grady's wife. So the brother- the billionaire brother's wife. We love alliteration. Billionaire brother's bride. Hey, <laughs> nailed it. Um, he so she buys Sarah like a whole new wardrobe with Dante's money, and Sarah's super uncomfortable. And so Emily is the wife's name. So Emily and this chick named Randy, who's another random friend. Her name is Miranda. She goes by Randy in town, they are around this whole time, like talking to Sarah and telling her, like, we think Dante's in love with you. And she's like, what? No. No, he just let you spend like thousands of dollars on a new wardrobe for me. And he like buys me all these things. And like, had he, he didn't buy her a new car. No, that's the second book. That's the second book. That's another brother. Get stoked for that review in the future. Um. Shout out for the forbidden billionaire. So then, um, so the the girls are around. They're supporting, and that's relevant because they're supporting her, like pursuing Dante. She goes back to the the youth center. She's playing the piano. Dante has checked the whole building to make sure that it's safe, and then somehow. This man. Yes. After the concert has ended, the old people are starting to clear out. They're starting to go to the bingo room and leaving the music room. And Dante and the police chief have checked the youth center. Yes. To make sure that it is safe and everything is okay. Yes. And then somehow the dude whose last name I don't remember, um, really mad dad. (laughs) Shows up. So if I can't do alliteration, I'm going to do rhyming. So the really mad dad. (laughs) (laughs) Somehow shows up and puts a gun to Sarah's head. And he keeps Emily, the the sister-in-law, and Randy, the other friend, in the room and kicks everybody else out, including Dante. and, And locks the door. And locks the door. Which I'm also like... How, like, logistically, I have some questions about this uh-huh, thing. So I'm like, uh-huh. cool. So he's holding a gun to Sarah's head. And everyone, including Dante, just clears out of the room except Emily yeah. and Randy. Well, like, he, I guess, said something about them having to stay. Yeah. It, but wasn't, it wasn't clear. No, there was a lot of confusion around this Jan. scene. Yes, Jan. Can you rewrite this scene and come back to us? Jan, please email me. Like, I don't know. Maybe we'll have a website someday and you can email me about what the fuck was supposed to be happening in this scene because I have a lot of questions. So regardless of how it happened, Emily, Randy, and Sarah are in the room with the guy with the gun. More alliteration. And then, (laughs) sorry. And then 
Sarah, because she's a mental level genius, is wanting to protect the other two women. So she's like trying to figure out how to get them out. And he's talking about how he wanted to, quote, use her, which I guess was like a euphemism for rape her. And so she's like, well, you're not going to be able to rape me if these other two bitches are here. So you should let them go, I guess. But also, before he can, she convinces him to let them go, um, we find out why he actually wanted to kill her. And it's not because he's upset about the death of his son and his wife. It's because, y'all, you weren't ready for this. He's a, a... a serial killer. The Windy City Carver. The Windy City Carver that is infamous. And everyone knows mm-hmm. about the serial killer mm-hmm. who's never mm-hmm. been caught. And so he's upset because his wife and son died. And that meant that he lost his cover for being a serial killer. And even Dante's like, even I've heard of the Windy City Carver out in L.A. <laughs> and so you're like, oh, so plot twist. It's... Honestly, like, I don't feel like I needed him to be the Windy City Carver. He could have just wanted to kill Sarah because Mm -hmm. his son had died. And that would have been enough anger for me. It was not at all necessary. Well, and I'd also just like to bring up a quote. Please do. Um, Please do. So Dante then is like, how did he get in? And then he, like, goes outside and sees a window (laughs) to, like, a room that, like, is supposed to be a windowless room that was covered. And that's how he, like, broke the window and got in. And he's like... I was listening on the other side of the wall and was like trying to figure out yes, when to make my yes. move. I was um, going to bring this up. It's horrifying. <laughs> and then he was like, I decided, he like decided to make his move once he heard the dude talk about cutting off her nipples. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah. I just really love the line. I'll take your nipples for a reminder of how much I enjoyed slicing you up. John, John told her now sounding crazed. <laughs> then he sounds crazy. Like, he did Also, before. y'all, that's a direct quote from the book. And I'm like, I have some questions about his trophy case. Because, like, are, like, just like pepperonis? I'm getting, like, an Ed Gein vibe. Like, was it a nipple belt? You know? Oh. Because Ed Gein did make a nipple belt. Was, is it, like, a, like, like a sort of a edging situation on a lamp? Uh, are you doing like, are you cutting the nipple in half so they're half circles <laughs> for an additional trim detail feature? A scallop, a scallop. A scalloped yeah, edge. Yeah. A scalloped <laughs> edge made of nipples. Um, oh. Yeah. So I don't know. That line really stood out to me when he said, me I'll take too. your nipples for a reminder of how much I enjoyed slicing you up. And I'm like, mm hmm. That scalloped edge on my lamp is what I look at whenever I want to remember that I enjoyed slicing you up. And that's what honestly pushed Dante over the edge. So he busts in, right, and goes for Also, please know this is 75% of the way through the book. Right. It's like, we should be at 85. You know, like, we should be at 85. So Dante busts in, saves the day. In the process of saving her, he falls and strikes his head on the platform that the piano is sitting on and um, still somehow gets up and continues to fight this guy. He tells what's her noodle, Sarah. He tells Sarah. (laughs) The main girl in the book, what's her noodle? (laughs) You knew who I meant. I did. He tells her to run. And instead of running out of the room, she runs in front of 
John, who's trying to escape and knees him in the balls, which then gives Dante the opportunity to shoot him in the face or the chest. I don't remember. Also worth noting, at one point, Sarah's like, you can't rape me if there's other girls in the room, which I also feel like he could. He could have. Like, I don't want him to. Please don't (laughs) hear me condoning or endorsing. But I'm just like, I don't really feel like given where he was at in life, like that was what was stopping him. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Like where there's a will, there's a way. But also like, uh, like mourning father is plenty of cover. Like he didn't need. Exactly. I'm like, you're distraught that your kid died. I really didn't need a serial killer twist. But it was funny because like she convinces him to like let Randy and Emily out. And then she was like, you need to go tell Dante that he's the Windy City Carver. He'll know what that means. And you're like. Right. Like that's what's important. Like don't tell him that I love him or like that you know, I, whatever, like there's no declarations. It's like, tell him he's the Windy City Carver. Okay, bye. Like what? Truly. Okay, I guess, whatever. So then Dante sustains a head injury. He does. So uh, John is dead. (laughs) (laughs) And Dante is injured. And so so Sarah- he gets injured and Sarah is like the EMT show up and they're like, we'll handle this. And she's like, I'm a doctor. Let me handle this. And she's like, mm-hmm. I'm going to hop in the ambulance. And like, so good news, guys. She overcomes her fear of hospitals. She does. Because she doesn't notice that she's in a hospital because she's so fixated on Dante. Yes. Honestly, like the way that they're healing each other is really beautiful. And not at all codependent. Not at all. And we forgot that part of the way that Dante heals from all of this is like he has a lot of survivor's guilt. And after he like swipes the the glass and Sarah cuts her feet, she tells him that he's a fucking idiot and he needs to pay, take his pain medicine because Patrick, the, the partner, wouldn't want him to be in pain. And Patrick's like, oh, or Dante's like, oh, yeah, that's... That's true. I should take my pain meds and I should call Patrick's wife and son. And so they remember that I love them and I'm here for them. And it's like, okay. So Sarah, so Dante is healed from the survivor's guilt. Sarah is healed from the cuts on her feet. (laughs) (laughs) I like that we, I mean, to be fair, her feet cuts healed a long time ago. They did. And also she's healed from the hospital phobia. Yes, she's which now is more relevant. Her only, her only trauma from almost being murdered and stabbed <laughs> 20 times was a fear of hospitals. And good news, Dante's head injury and her almost being murdered again right. um, led to her getting over this fear because she didn't even realize she was in a hospital because she was so focused on Dante's right, recovery. Right. And, you know, a madman uh, threatening to rape her and mutilate her horribly was like all good because she was focused on Dante. So then there's a lot of like, well, Dante's leaving. Like we can't really be together. Dante's going back to LA. There's a timeline. So then Dante is like, come with me to LA. I love you. Whatever. And she's like, well, I'm going to need at least a month or two to like work out my patients and he's like two weeks and she's like nah man like legit it has to be a month or two like I can't just leave these people and he's like okay so then he gets on the plane to go back to 
LA. And his brother's private plane. His, Worth noting, yes, this yes, is yes, not yes. a commercial flight. His, They're billionaires. They're better than that. He doesn't have a commercial plane or he doesn't have a private plane. Um, but he does enjoy using his brothers. Yes. And um the flight was delayed and Sarah doesn't know that. So she texts him thinking that he'll get it when he lands. She texts him telling him that she loves him. And there's a lot of other shit in there I don't remember. Like it wasn't just a like cool, I love you. Like it was like a lot of things that she said. And it's like I need to like really like tell you like these, I need to like to right, let you know right. my, my feelings. Like let me count the ways, whatever. So he gets it because the flight was delayed and he's like, oh my God, and tells the pilot to like, we're not leaving and gets off and is like, I love you too. This is amazing. And then they fuck again. And also the chief of police of the town had been offering Dante a job this whole time. And Dante had been like, nah, dude, like I got to go back to LA. And then he's like, never well, mind. Because in, in LA, he was a homicide. Homicide. Detective. And- um, he was offered a job with the Amesport, Amesbury. I don't, I don't remember the name of this I town. Think, I'm pretty sure Amesport? it's Amesport. I think it I, is. I like Amesbury better. <laughs> so yeah, the, the like the chief keeps offering him jobs, but he kind of keeps like turning his nose up at them because he's like, I'm a homicide detective, right? Like in the book, his hair is not that long. In the book, his hair is pretty short. But I imagine when he says homicide detective that he's doing like a really legit hair flip, like an over the shoulder. I imagined it as a crew cut. Hair flip. Well, I mean, just like- It grew out for that scene. Like only when he only says for that. that. Scene. Only when he put when a he wig on that. to flip his hair <laughs> and then he took it off. Yes. Yeah. 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 So regardless, he's like, you love it here. Your life is here. I don't know what I was thinking. I'm going to stay with you forever. I love you. Let's get married. And she's like, okay. And then she's like, maybe next year. And he's like, no, next month. And she's like, the fuck? I need at least a year to plan a wedding. He's like, no, you don't. Make it three weeks. Which is weird, right? It is weird. Like, what's the rush, man? Like, she's she's already locked down. Like, what are you trying to well, do? Well, that's the thing. He's like, no, I won't wait a weird won't wait a year for you to be my wife. And I'm like, okay, but like, does it really change anything in the dynamic of y'all's relationship? It doesn't. You're already living together and raising the dog Coco. Like, why do we, which was also like a rat looking dog that he initially didn't like. And then it was a Chihuahua poodle mix or something. Something like that. And I remember that because I have a, Pekingese poodle mix that we call a peekapoo, and I believe in the book they call it a cheapoo, which I is a, worse. I had a lassapoo growing nice. up, and then um, my lassapoo was a female, and she boned a shit poo. <laughs> <laughs> and their puppy breed, we just called them mutts sure. because it felt better than calling them lots of shitty poos, um, <laughs> which is where we ended up. <laughs> They were the cutest, though. I bet. Yes. I bet. Yeah, my peekapoo is a mess. Well, that's... Here, Hannah, why don't you tell everyone? Tell us about your peekapoo. Let me let me tell you about my peekapoo. So he's a Pekingese poodle mix. His name is Gizmo. He is nine years old, and he is paralyzed. So he does not have the use of his back legs. And... Has I, to wear diapers. He does. He wears diapers. Um, and he doesn't always need them. Um it, so here's the thing. 
The only reason I agreed to go on a date with my husband was to meet the dog because I had meet, I had seen him on Facebook and I was like, I, I need to meet that because it's the cutest thing I've ever seen. And my husband's well aware that like Gizmo is the ultimate wingman. And now Gizmo serves as a therapy dog. So I bring him to work with me a couple of days a week. And he hangs out with my patients and gives them love and stuff. They pass him around during group. And oh, I bet they all love having them there. It's super cute. My favorite, my favorite was this 60-year-old man, huge dude, like massive man, um, had been homeless right before he came in, had lived a hard, hard life, done a lot of years in prison, saw Gizmo and got down on the ground with him during group and just started loving on him. And he was like contributing to group, but every now and then he just leaned down and he'd whisper and he'd be like, good dog. I love you, brother. <laughs> so Aww, cute. That's like the purest thing best. ever. It was so precious. So um, that's about Gizmo, the peekapoo. Um, maybe someday, I don't know. You guys will meet him somehow. I don't know. He talks a lot. He So he lost his bark in the accident. But when he gets really hyped about something, he sort of makes these little squeak sounds, which are magnificent. They're really adorable. They're very, very cute. So um, maybe someday you guys will have the pleasure of conversations with Gizmo. But for now, that's the story of the peekapoo. But Coco was a cheapoo. Coco, this dumbass dog in this book is like, honestly, just kind of an, an annoying afterthought throughout the whole thing. Like, and here's the thing. It's to like humanize Dante. Well, yeah, because it's, so it's Sarah's dog. Right. And then like Dante's like annoyed and he's like, what, what the fuck is this little rat thing? Mm-hmm, and then mm-hmm. he's like, oh, I hate this thing. But in that way, we're like, you know, how he like. secretly loves Yeah, it. like dads will be like, we're not getting a dog. And then they're like, I'm going to build him a custom. Yes. precisely like very much that energy Mm -hmm. so like Dante's like this dog sucks but he's also like I'm obsessed with this dog and would lay down my life for it maybe not that extreme but pretty close but pretty close and so yeah so 75% of the way through the book we really hit the finale where we find out that John is a serial serial killer killer who is also Mm -hmm. a grieving father I really only needed him to be a grieving father he's not really grieving yeah he really wasn't grieving he was honestly sad that his son and wife died because they were a cover for his which is like no they weren't you like what he was like I've like never been arrested and like no one like assumed it was like a family man with a son and a wife and I'm like I have some other questions. I just, like, don't believe if you stab someone 20 times and failed at killing them that you are as good of a serial killer as you think you are. Right. Well, and that's why I said, like, I sincerely doubt that she was just sort of, like, needed a transfusion and was fine after being stabbed 20 times by a fucking serial killer who'd apparently killed, like, 10 or 12 women before that. Yes, there were so many. And then they were like, oh, well, you know, now that we know he's a serial killer, that does make sense because the deaths kind of dropped off around the time of his son's death. And I'm like, yeah, because then he went to Boston or New York or some shit and started killing women there, but whatever. So so Dante gets off the plane. Yeah. And is like, I got your text message. And she's like, oh, I thought you wouldn't get it till you land. I'll still move out to California for you. And he's like, no, I really like it here. My family's here. And- that's the end of the book. 
basically, yeah. So, so like he, the final 25% of the book really feels like it could have been resolved in like a chapter. It's just like a couple of sex scenes and them talking about whether they should get married in six months or in six weeks. I mean, to be fair, I think a lot of what we do here is just describe the plot of a book outside of the sex scenes to note like, hey, right. if you remove the sex, right. this is the plot we're looking at. What do you think about this plot? Do you feel like it holds Although, up without sex? To be fair. <laughs> to be fair. To be fair. I did describe a lot of the sex in Den of Vipers, but that was the majority of the plot. Well, also, in your review of Den of Vipers, the description of sex was far more necessary. Mm-hmm. I do feel like this was like, go with me on this. I feel like it was still pretty like vanilla. There was a lot of sex. And outside yeah. of the handcuff yeah. scene up front, which I, we, let's just go back. Well, was her second sexual experience ever in life and he handcuffed right, her to a bed? Right. I do feel like a lot of like their normal sexual experiences, I'm like, oh, this is just like normal sex. Normal sex. He did spank her a lot at one point. Oh, I forgot about the spanking. Yeah. yeah. You are correct. Yeah. Although like compared to a knife in the ass, like if that's the barometer we're using, some spanking is like pretty chill. Yeah, I feel like when ass play is involved, <laughs> that's a, just a different conversation. So just ass play in general, not not knife play, but ass play well, is the line for you? No, it's not a line. There's <laughs> ass play and there's knife play. <laughs> and sometimes those form a marriage. Um, um, interesting word choice. <laughs> okay. Sometimes those come together. In this book, there was some spanking. They did come there, together. They, yeah. Yes, they did come, for sure. <laughs> there, there was some spanking. There was some handcuffs. Uh-huh. But outside of that, I'd say the sex as a whole wasn't, like, nah. that risque. It was no. just, like, sex. Right. And there was a little bit of, like, it's so urgent. We have to do it in this semi-public place. But it was, there was nothing that was like, oh, my God. I'm also going to say this, and I don't know if you felt otherwise. There was a a lot of sex and a lot of that, like, I want to shove my cock in your throbbing hot pussy. Right. There was a quote. I don't fully remember what it was that I sent Hannah. I just remember the word juices and yeah, lapping. Like, yeah. I want to lap her juices. So oh, that's up. what it was. Hold I want to lap her juices like they were nectar. Yeah, that's Or something the one. like that's that. Mm-hmm. And, like, here's the thing. That line shut down any arousal that may have been happening. <laughs> like, yeah. And but I'll also say, for as much sex as was in these was it was in this book, at no point was I was like, this is arousing. Right. Like at no point no. was I was like, this is hot. I was like, yeah. So they're boning. What happens next? And I don't feel like that's a mark of a great sex scene. Right. But also, I just want to put this out there because I imagine that we are going to review the other two. Or all the other seven. seven. (laughs) The other six. We're going to review all of them because they are horrifying. But just to be clear, they are essentially the same book. Like every single one follows the same formula. And I just love it. I just love it so much. That was like, and I will review these at some point as well. J.A. Lowe wrote. Yes. Um, yes, you already know. Mm-hmm. But there were the first two books in that series. I legitimately <laughs> think they were based on the same Word document. Like I was like, I don't, I think she just did a control F and yeah. changed the name. Just and did changed, a replace. Like even down to like a scene where, to be fair, the first two books in her series, and we'll get there at some point, um, 
they the first two books were about twins and one was right, the one brother right. and the one was mm-hmm. the second brother. And there was a scene where both of the brothers, not at the same time, in each of their respective books, went down on the the female. Yep. And the female like closes her legs and is like, no, I know men don't like to do that. And he's like, no, I want to do that for you. And I'm like, really? He, he wants to lap it. Lap at her like juices. Nectar. Oh my God. <laughs> but like, but here was my thought. I was like, really? Both of these brothers had this identical experience? Like, I'm just saying, start a new word document. At the very least, change the phrasing so it doesn't feel like the same. She was thinking she would release those books far enough apart that nobody would notice. Yeah, she was not prepared for you and I who were just like, you mean there's seven books in this series? I'm getting through every single one. Within a week. Okay, thanks. All right, so No Ordinary Billionaire, the first of J.S. Scott's Sinclair series. Yeah, so I'm thinking like, Lobsters, like how many, how many lobster rolls yes. are we rating? How many this? lobster rolls? I'm like out of five. So for enjoyability of like, it, like is this great literature? Absolutely not. But did I really enjoy it? And did it make me laugh a lot? And would I potentially rate it again? Yeah. So I feel like four. I would go with four lobster rolls. I'm going to go like 3.5 lobster rolls. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And But I feel like those are like in the, you rounded yeah, up. I did. I rounded up. Yeah. But I, I rounded up. Because I feel the same way. Like objectively, was it great literature? Absolutely not. No, it's never getting a Pulitzer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And did it lead to a lot of really hilarious conversations with mm-hmm. people? And mm-hmm. like, did I laugh really hard when I was reading it? Yes. Was I meant to laugh at the book? I don't think that was what she intended. Based on her headshot, no, that's not what she intended. No, she thought this was like gonna be like the sexiest of books. Well, according to 19,200 people on Goodreads, it was. Well, they also fall between our 3.5 <laughs> and 4.0 so lobster they do. roll. 3.91. We rate this book 3.91 lobster rolls. <laughs> We do. We do. And while we have enjoyed this time together that we've had with each other and I guess with you, dear listener, I think we're done now. Yeah. I think <laughs> I think we'll circle back. Honestly, I might need a reprieve before I, I review the second book because- Because yeah, they're essentially the same. So Yeah, we'll because you already listened. I'm just going to change it a few key details and <laughs> you, you, I can just put those- in the notes for this episode and you can re-listen to this episode and just imagine those other <laughs> details. Yeah. But to save you that, we will review it at some point. We because will. Because it's that we bad will. and wonderful and magical. So we love you. We don't know you, but we love you and we're excited you're here and have a good day. Have a good <laughs> night. I don't know Thank what you. time it is. Thank, Thank you, you and good night. Good night and good luck. <laughs>